0: Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier
2: for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Coming to you in a time of need and great distress, a city licking its wounds once again. Boston, crestfallen, heartbroken, down and out once again following the sad state of affairs that was the Celtics losing a game seven to the Miami Heat coming all the way back with the epic Derek White put back in game six for not fear not Boston sports super fan members of Patriots nation who share part of that Boston sports concentric circle with those who bleed green because when you need to turn to something positive, where do they go? Andy Fox <laughs> Exactly. They come to the six rings and football things podcast. Welcome back everyone to the latest and greatest episode brought to you by our friends at WEI Odyssey and 2400 sports here today to tell you to buck up buttercup to turn that frown upside down and put a smile back on your sports face. You got your old pals, Nick Fitzy Stevens, Andy Jumbo Hart. And because we know you guys need an extra ray of sports sunshine, we are proud to introduce the latest member of our extended Foxborough football family, the newest member of the WEEI team. He'll be blogging. He'll be beat reporting. He'll be podcasting. If there's something that needs doing down in Foxborough, we proudly present Mr. Mike Cadlick. Mike, welcome to the show, my man. It is great to have you.
3: What's going on guys? I'm fired up, fired up to get started. I appreciate the warm welcome. It's tough to have to do this the day after what just happened to the Celtics, but like you said, we're going to we're going to turn our face right around and you know head down to Foxborough. So uh yeah, I'm super excited to be here. So thank you for the uh thank you for the intro. Let's go.
4: Well, the good news is that after what the Celtics did, pretty much everything else even losing OTA practices due to a stupid <laughs> error um is not that bad, right? Like everything in Foxborough right. is a little bit better. They're not Really talking about blowing it up the way they're talking about blowing up Celtics. So it's all good. And uh, before we jump into it, just in case some people, because I think most people probably are a little bit familiar with your name, maybe your voice, your Twitter handle, things like that. But just give a quick, uh, quick background pick, a quick uh, resume as to uh, what you've been doing and how you got to WEEI. Yeah,
3: sure. So, uh, like you said, my voice, my voice is lost because I screamed my head off when yeah. Derek White hit that shot in game six. And well, there's, well, no, none of that there's no matters.
2: shame in having Celebration voice. Andy knows and mocked yeah. me roundly on the radio over the weekend. I I have uh, Celebration Gimpitude. I jumped up from my chair like an old man to celebrate Derek White, and I popped my calf. Not like You're an, an, old old man. Nice. You're an old man. <laughs> I am an old man. I, <laughs> I <know. laughs> I yeah, and you. now we have to
3: recover. We have to recover. and We don't even have games to watch while we do so, so. We've Yeah,
2: we've got your voice, my leg, and Andy's mood together. We make for a perfect body of
3: <laughs> Welcome to the Six Rings podcast.
2: <laughs> no, seriously, Andy's right. It can't, like, we have bottomed out. It can't get, it's, it's almost in a lot of ways, exactly. Mike, a perfect entry. Yeah, man, <laughs> Andy's making your the, point. you hear about point. that? <laughs> uh, no, yeah. it's, uh, yeah. But we've been so a huge I'm- fan. We've been a huge fan. Of your work, Andy, uh, I was impressed when I met you last summer on Media Hill. It was my first time over there navigating my way from fandom to media semi-legitimacy. Of course, Andy, it was always like, what's Fitzy doing over here? But I saw security. (laughs) He belongs over there with the pom-pom waivers. Uh, (laughs) I saw you over there and started following you and have been impressed how you've grown your Twitter game. Like you're on top of it. You aggregate, you report, you opinionate very sharply. Where did all this Patriots passion come from?
3: Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, well I'm local from, from mass from around the city of Boston. So always been a sports fan. Uh, you know, went to, uh, went to Boston university, got my master's. And from there I was, uh, taking some sports journalism classes with, uh, the one and only Sherrod Blakely Celtics reporter fell in love with it from there. Did some interning at, uh, the one and only CLNS media in Boston. So that's really where I got my start. Uh, did some interning, you know, podcast editing, all that good stuff. And then, uh, They gave me the opportunity to write and start to, you know, grow myself. And so sort of just took it from there. Um, Evan Lazar left, uh, went to Patriots.com. I filled in for him as their beat reporter last year. And uh, now we're here. So, yeah, been a fan of the Pats my whole life. Able to, uh, like you said, Fitzy, kind of stay on top of Twitter and Instagram and, you know, follow them that way and, you know, find out what this team's up to. So uh, I'm excited. I'm excited to get started. I am relatively optimistic about how this team is gonna go this season um I know I don't know how you guys feel I'm sure we'll kind of get into that but uh that's a little bit about me so uh let's talk bats.
4: there we go yeah, yeah. relatively optimistic uh my um my measuring sticker barometer there is the recent PFF simulator that had the Patriots beating the Eagles the Chiefs and the bills twice would you call yourself PFF optimistic?
3: Not exactly. Uh, Not exactly. Maybe not those
4: specific. So you maintain a shred of uh, credibility in my mind. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, fine. I
2: won't be be inviting you to my duck boat party, Mike. That's fine.
3: (laughs) No, I think there's a chance. I think, I mean, I don't know. I, I've talked eleven and six is kind of where I can see this team. I don't know if they beat Buffalo twice. Ooh, I see Fitzy's eyebrows go right up. Uh,
4: even the superfan no, Homer put his eyebrows up. And they I know eyebrows. that's tough. I, I got, and I got
2: brow and I got I got brows for days. Well, like well, look, we gotta we've go one been to t-
3: time just like the Celtics, one game at a time.
2: Exactly. Like so, a zero and two. Would you please? The poor boy, he hasn't even gotten his key card to the building, and you're already trying to make him sick with your toxic radiation. Come on. Give him a minute. Let him. He he knows what's yeah, up. Mike, into this thing. Mike's plugged in and connected. Yeah, you got no. Andy's whole thing is trial by fire. I like to joke around like with it. a nice little general slap and tickle. Welcome to the party. Maybe uh, grab a cocktail, whatever. Andy's like, nope. Here you go. <laughs> Just that, and that's the way it goes. And I and I understand, but some of the things that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, last couple of months, Mike. Um, the one of the big things has been uh, Andy calls it "we're the big C word podcast." Hold tight meaning that this team this year, what you can hope for most is that they will be competent following the removal of the reverse engineers on offense, Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, bringing Bill O'Brien back to the party, and that with the toughness that they'll be instilling on defense, special teams, and hopefully on offense as well, that they'll be competitive. So they could very well finish with a similar record to last year. Maybe they'll even improve upon it a slight bit, but I won't see that, and I don't think a lot of people, at least I hope they won't, see that as a failure because they'll be making strides to overcoming 2022, picking back up where they were at the end of 21 and maybe advancing from there.
3: Well, I'd say that again, like, you know, you mentioned slightly improving from last season and the dumpster fire that it was on offense, right? Like, There's just no way that you can get worse than that. Like you're really starting at the bottom from where this offense was at. So again, you bring in Bill O'Brien. I'm excited to see what they can do. They, they upgraded. I would say they upgraded with their offensive weapons. I know some people disagree, but you bring in guys like Juju Smith-Schuster, who I I truly think he's better than Jacoby Myers. I do. I think he's better and he's a little bit cheaper. Uh, Mike is helps you find, you know, mismatches and matchups, both inside and outside in the slot. And, you know, you can use them on the outside too. So again, I, I just think last year they had a chance to make the postseason in week 18. You completely revamp your offense. You give Mac Jones a slitter a sliver of a chance, and uh you go from there. The defense stayed the same and improved a little bit. And you know, they were already, you know, a solid grouping last year. So again, we'll see what happens. Take it one game at a time. But you can't get much worse than you know what happened on offense last season. So uh again, stay optimistic to start.
4: And expectations are important always. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at the expectations that were coming off for the for the winter sports and what happened there. The failures of the Bruins, the failures of the Celtics. <laughs> and then you compare that to the the limited expectations for the Red Sox, where we've ridden kind of this weird roller coaster for a month and a half here, where well, they're they're not in last place. They're actually competitive. If they played in a different division, they'd be pretty good. They'd be this, right. they'd be that. Where I think part of the any of the excitement for the Red Sox is the low expectations coming in and like people expecting high and bloom to be fired by this, you know, Memorial day or whatever. And I think the Patriots are probably on the lower end of the expectation uh, meter just because of last year, no really transformational alterations to the roster. I mean, if there was a transformational move, it's Bill O'Brien and what he could represent for the offense. So, you know, the one thing I've said, and we've talked a lot about this is, Unfortunately, I think you could be a significantly better football team, whether that's 10, 20 percent better and be a last place football team. You know, they face a really tough sc- schedule. That was another one of the pro football focus things that they kind of throw out there is Patriots have the toughest schedule. And I-, I think there's a good chance that's true. It's always hard to monitor NFL schedules in the summer because you're a couple QB injuries away from the the schedule looking very different. We learned that lesson uh, last year, and they've really eaten up backup quarterbacks. But I do you think they are the fourth-best team in the AFC East? I guess that's the first barometer or measurement that we talk about because with Aaron Rodgers joining the Jets, I think there's a lot of people that believe the Patriots are the fourth-best team in the East.
3: Well, we'll start with hot takes right away. I, I actually think there's a chance that Aaron Rodgers and the Jets can win the AFC East outright. I think that team, if if Rodgers is you know mentally, physically there, which he's always kind of been physically there, but it depends on if he checks out or not. That team's going to be a wagon. Wow was actually
4: at Taylor Swift dancing. So, we'll yeah, see with where Miles he is Teller, there. right? That was <laughs> Yes, that his was cap's okay.
2: What a what a, str- yeah. what a strange world. If you had Aaron Rodgers, quarterback of the New York Jets at a Taylor Swift show celebrating with uh Goose's son at a ta- uh, you know, over yeah, Memorial Day weekend on your 2023 bingo card, then you are a savant beyond any expectation.
3: Yeah, no. Uh that was uh that was certainly interesting. He's living his best life there in New York, so you know. God bless. But anyway, um, as far as the AFC East goes, I think that I think that there there's a chance they're better than Miami this season. So I think they could be the third best team in the division, which you can get into the playoffs as the third best team. You can now with there's uh, seven or however many teams make it now, you can get in as the fourth best team, really, if you yep. want to go for a wild card. But um, no, I wonder about Tua and the Dolphins. I just think objectively, Tua was carried a little bit by, you know, Mike McDaniel, again, he's still there and that offense is still good with those two receivers, but it's tough to rely on him to stay healthy. And so um, I think the Patriots improved enough to at least compete as the third best team in the division. So um, I would put them slightly over the dolphins right now, but no, I mean, Jets and Jets and bills are objectively better than the Pats.
2: Yeah. It's a crazy world we live in again, where the New York jets are potentially an AFC East powerhouse or an AFC East favorite, but that roster last year with, three of the bottom five quarterbacks in terms of quarterback ranking, like it was far and away the worst quarterback room in the NFL, and it wasn't even close. So if you get even reasonably competent play, like if you get Aaron Rodgers 2022, not even an MVP level season out of uh, this season on the New York Jets, that's got to be a 3-4 win reversal for them. And of the nine wins the Patriots have in the AFC East post-Brady, six of them are at the hands of the Jets. Like you can't just expect cakewalks at MetLife or in Foxborough against the Jetropolitans anymore. Well,
3: here's Uh, my question for you guys about the Jets then. So, you know, people say, you know, oh, it's the Jets. So they're just automatically going to suck. I don't, I don't buy into that, that theory. Like Aaron Rodgers is there. Salo is a pretty good coach. Like it doesn't matter that the Patriots own the Jets for the last 20 years. That literally does not matter. Okay. So we're all on the same page. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Most
4: of those, I don't. I don't really buy into most of those theories like,
3: oh, it's the Browns.
4: Oh, or, it doesn't or even matter. people love to do it in college. Oh, yeah. that school has never developed a quarterback. Okay. Who gives a right. rat's ass? What happened 30 years ago, three coaches ago, and five quarterbacks ago is irrelevant. Is this guy good? Does he have the skills, exactly. the mental? So, yes, I don't. A logo to me is kind of irrelevant. It's even I always argued for years, like when Bill traded Jamie Collins to the Browns, and people used to mock the Browns, and they're like, the Browns will never win. No, no, no. When the Browns have the right management and the right players, they will win. Like logos do not make or break you uh, like I, it just doesn't happen so, other than maybe ownership, which I guess in my Browns example is probably part of the equation. But logos, organizations, they're made by the men that are in them that you make. It's like right. when kids I always tell kids when they're freaking out about their numbers, just make the number. Like, numbers aren't cool until a great player wears it, and then everybody wants to wear it. Whether it's 69, 72, 41, oh, that's a hideous number. And guess what? If a guy who's the greatest player in the world at that time wears it, it becomes a cool number. So, yes, no. The Jets, now, I actually think, speaking of things that don't actually matter, here's a theory I'm going to roll into. Um, So, we've had the veteran quarterbacks. We had the perfect cases where Matthew Stafford, Tom Brady, they go to a new organization, they're elite-level or high-level quarterbacks, they win right away. Russell Wilson does it. Everybody says, oh, Denver's going to the Super Bowl. Like, that's how it works now. You get your veteran quarterback, and it could not have gone, gone any worse. It blew up in the Broncos' face. I think we're probably due for one of these to be kind of mediocre, when it, like an Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets. Some people think it's a debacle because it's the Jets, or some people think, boom, put Aaron Rodgers and the Jets in the Super Bowl conversation – I'm kind of leaning towards, is this the one where it's just, yeah, the Jets are nine and eight, you know, 10 and seven, something like that, sort of a middle of the road one. But again, it really has no bearing on Russell, you know, Russell Wilson's Denver tenure and Tom Brady's Tampa tenure have nothing to do with what Aaron Rodgers does. It's all on him. But um, I'm just also into a little bit of the law of averages. And I think this one could just be a mediocre one.
3: Yeah, it's an interesting point. I think about, too, the the situation they go into, right? Because, you know, Brady goes to Arians, who, you know, offensive coach, uh, airs it out and is a respected, you know, offensive head coach, right? And then, obviously, uh, Stafford goes to the Rams with McVeigh, And so he has, you know, a, a quality system built around him where Russell Wilson goes with Nathaniel Hackett and the Broncos. And they're, he's out of there after one season. So, um, I mean, Roger's going into a place with solid head coach, a defensive guy, but he has Hackett there too, who he worked with. So, I mean, again, that, that should work in theory, but, um, Mm. no, you're, you're right. I think we're kind of, we're kind of at a place where maybe it's just mediocre and it's just a good team and it's not, it's not way up here, way down there. It's kind of,
2: yeah, I keep trying to figure out like Brad Spielberger, who we had last week on from pro football focus, Pro PFF is so high on the Jags right now. They think the Jag wagon is going to be a dominant force in the AFC. I think because they got Calvin Ridley basically for free, that we could be sleeping on them as well because it's a pretty excellent team all around. Otherwise, you know, the AFC North, Andy, we've talked about them. Like, there's really not going to be an easy out there as well. AFC West is tough. Um, I like whoever whoever's going to make whoever going to be those three wild card teams. They are going to be battle tested, bruised and bloodied by the time they get there because. There just aren't a lot of cakewalks, patsies, or a- or or weaklings in the AFC this year. Like it's it's going to be a full anchorman brawl, uh, which will make which will make for great football. But we can't just tell the Foxborough faithful and the diehards right now, like, hey guys, don't worry, you're going to punch your ticket back there, and Mr. Kraft will finally get that playoff appearance and win that he covets so badly. Um, before we get to the second leg of the pod, uh, real quick, Mike, your favorite offseason move and your favorite draft pick.
3: All right. Off-season move. uh, I really like the signing of Juju Smith-Schuster. I think, and I I mentioned it earlier, but I think with the way O'Brien wants to run this offense, you know, matchup driven, you know, find your matchups, pre-snap, win from the slot. I think Juju exemplifies that. And uh, again, he's better after the catch than Jacoby. Um, He's a possession receiver. I think they're going to run a lot of their offense through Juju. And Mm -hmm. uh, he's still young, and I think he's pretty good. I think that's someone who you got him for – you know, cheaper than you would have gotten, you know, a higher, a higher, higher end receiver, like, uh, trading for, you know, Tyreek Hill was for the dolphins or, you know, digs for the bills. So, um, I think that could sneaky be a really good signing. Um, as far as draft pick it's chalk, but it's Christian Gonzalez. I think that kid is an absolute stud. I really do. I think they stole him at pick 17. Mm -hmm. Um, and there was no, Everyone talks about, oh, why did he fall, right? Like, oh, there's got to be a reason he was there at 17 because, you know, maybe he's actually not that good and teams didn't have him that high. I just think the way the board fell, the the needs that the teams in front of them had, Gonzalez was just there at 17 and they said, all right, let's take him. And I think he has a chance to be one of the better players in this draft. Um, there was that six-second clip that came out of him at practice that everyone's fawning <laughs> over now. Just you know, fluid hips and no no false movements. Right again. It's Andy's six favorite seconds. six seconds. Well, again, <laughs> Andy loves Andy loves the social media reaction. That's why I'm here. Right. So uh,
2: this is great. This is my favorite new dynamic because Mike brings go. in where a, a realm I used to traffic and navigate in so much with uh, a lot of the online stuff, the hype videos, the positivity. Andy sees everyone fawning over six seconds of Gonzo, just, like, turning his <laughs> hips and catching a pass. And he's like, ah, oh, you people. Uh. And by oh, the way, we'll Mike... see tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And by the way, Mike, uh, you had a chance to curry a little favor with Andy because there's a little room left. I think there's still a couple of tickets left on the James Robinson hype train, mm. which okay. Andy is the engineer on this offseason. So, yeah, uh, big,
4: uh, I think that's going to be one of the uh, truly underappreciated signings of the offseason. I just... To me, he has the potential, if healthy, to be the perfect pairing with Ramondre Stevenson. They're both can run the ball, can catch the ball. A, it takes a little off of Stevenson's plate when he got gassed last year. And I don't think people realize how good Robinson was his first year and even his second year to some degree in Jacksonville. You got a 1,400 yards from scrimmage type player and Bill O'Brien. You trust him to utilize his personnel. If this were Matt Patricia, maybe I wouldn't be as high on it, but... You have a good offensive coordinator as a good piece to a puzzle. He's not, you know, I'm not saying he's going to go out and be a pro bowler and rush for 2000 yards or whatever, but in terms of puzzle pieces, I think James Robinson's fascinating. Now I just want to ask you real quick. Yeah. How, what is your response to those who believe those, some have said as reporters like to say, some have said that Juju Smith Schuster only reaches the heights of his ability when there is an all pro lined up next to him on the offense.
3: Um, it's it's a fair point because again, his career season, his fourteen hundred yard season was when A B was there and dictated mm-hmm. coverage, right? And so um, He plays in the there's...
4: arena league now, but he doesn't actually. He just goes on posters and then doesn't show up for the game. Oh, and he also doesn't
2: pay his employees, which is terrific.
3: <laughs> He's apparently recruiting Cam Newton to play quarterback there,
4: too. Oh, yeah. Anyone see that'll, that? That'll yeah. go well. Yeah, right. that, that, that imagine right. Cam in the Arena League? <laughs> when you're at the concession stand, you have to have your head on a swivel. You could get a bat <laughs> on the back of the skull. Yeah,
2: what? I wonder if the Ohio train fire can make itself a football team.
4: <laughs> ah, here we go.
3: No, it's... a the, the, juju co- no, the Juju thing's a fair point. I agree. But I think that there's so many... Uh, I guess... And again, this is sort of what we dealt with with the Patriots the last week. There's so many number two options on this team. There's not mm-hmm. really that number one, right? But I think... Now more than ever, there's even more of those number twos. You talk about yeah. Juju and Henry and Gasicki and Kendrick Bourne. And Bourne. again, we'll see what happens with Tyquan Thornton, right? But I think that um, those other guys are going to dictate coverage. And then if Juju is is covered as your number one, then you get other guys involved with Gasicki. And so his impact may not necessarily be on the stat sheet. It may be simply because he's their number one guy and they dictate coverage elsewhere. And then, you know, they can make things happen with the rest of the offense.
2: Really, really, really good start, Mike. Love to get all your opinions on this. Happy to have you in the family. That's the first leg of the Six Rings and Football Things podcast coming off Memorial Day and the Celtics elimination in the Eastern Conference Finals. We are turning a positive page, and we are thrilled to have you as a part of our community. Dear listener, give us a follow at Six Rings Pod. Of course, he's at Jumbo Heart. I'm at Fitzy GFY. This is at Mike Cadlick. Cadlick with a K in the front and a K in the back. Kind of like a great frame from Pedro Martinez in 1999. Give us all a follow, rate, review, subscribe, and share. We are rolling on. Okay,
1: picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better